Good morning, Bridge Church, and welcome to Church Online. We're so thankful that you've joined us this morning. Hey, wherever you're at, let's give God praise in the comment section right now for His goodness, for His grace, for His mercy, for His love. And wherever you're watching, whether it's in your living room or your backyard, we're going to make that a house of worship. So would you join in with us as we sing about His goodness? Come on, church, let's sing it out. Worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great. Thank you for your love, Lord Jesus. And I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake. Till I lay my head 
I will sing of the goodness of God.
happen when you move. Healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move. Heaven is coming. Oh, you know. found in the book of Psalms. And it says that God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. It says that God literally inhabits our praises. That when we come together, wherever we are, all over this community this morning, that when we lift our voices in praise to our amazing God, that he dwells in those praises. Literally, what we're saying is, as we say, God, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. You are my healer. You are my provider. You are my hope. In the midst of hopeless situations, that when we do that together in faith, that God does what he does best. There's certain things that you do where you dwell. Right now, you're probably watching service in your pajamas because that's how you're comfortable, right? Well, when God is enthroned in our praises, he does what he is comfortable doing. And that is heal. That is deliver. Miracles happen when the presence of God moves. And I believe that right now, that God is moving. God is moving in this place. God is moving in your home. He's moving in your living room. He's moving wherever you are watching service online. God, we thank you for your presence. And God, we thank you that in the midst of a hopeless world, God, in the midst of a confused nation even, God, where there's so much distress, there's so many things going on all around us, God, that people are divided right now. We thank you that in you there is unity, in you there is peace, in you there is life, in you there is healing. And God, we give you praise for that. We give you praise for what you've done. But God, even more, we give you praise for what you're going to do. We are expecting that you are going to move. And church, if you believe that this morning, would you lift up a shout of praise? Come on, we give you praise, Jesus. You are worthy, Lord. Oh, we give you all the praise. Oh, amen, amen. We love you, church. It's so good to be with you this morning on Church Online. Let's see what's going on on Church News this week. Hey, Bridge family. We're so glad that you're joining us today for Church Online. 
Before we get into the message, we want to let you know about all the ways that you can stay connected with us. We aren't quite ready to have our regular in-person services, but we are excited to continue connecting with you online throughout the week. Here's a look at what's going on over the next few days at the bridge. We hope that you'll join us and stay plugged in. Throughout this unprecedented season, our community care program has continued to distribute food to people in need of assistance. This is only possible because of your generosity and support. In the month of May alone, we were able to give food to 367 families, representing 1,111 individual people. As we've said over the last 10 weeks, when the community faces a great obstacle, the church has a great opportunity. We want to say thank you for rising to the occasion and continuing to meet the needs of people in our valley. We also want to give a big shout out to all of our community care team who selflessly serve and love on people every Sunday morning. Thank you for all that you do. Finally, if you or anyone you know is in need of assistance with food, Distribution happens on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. in the back of the church building. Just drive through and we will be happy to serve you without you having to leave your vehicle. Thanks again, church, for your generosity. This season has truly shown us that we are blessed to be a blessing. Parents, it's a privilege to connect with your kids each week. And right now is the time to start the Bridge Kids online service. So grab another phone, tablet, or device and visit our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Click on the menu tab and select Bridge Kids. You can also go to the Bridge Kids Instagram or Facebook page to access the service there. Thank you so much for the opportunity to keep your kids connected with God and their Bridge Church family. If you want to stay connected and informed, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. This is the easiest way to stay up to date on what's happening, as well as see our devotionals throughout the week. You can also stay informed by downloading the Bridge app. Just text keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. For more general info, log into our website, thebridgechurch.tv. If you're joining us for the first time and you want to find out more about the church and how you can get connected, we invite you to go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a digital Connect card where we can help you get plugged in. Just take a moment to fill it out and we'll be happy to connect with you. Thanks again for joining us today and now let's get into God's Word. Good morning, church. Welcome. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. Thank you for spending some time on Sunday morning. Uh, My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at the bridge if you're new. And we just want to, again, welcome you and say thank you for taking the time to be with us. It means a lot to us. It's an honor and a privilege to get to spend Sunday morning with you. We're going to get into God's word here in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to share a couple of quick things, a couple of updates with you. If you have not heard, tonight we are having an outdoor service right here at the bridge, out on the plaza in front of our church building. We're very excited about this evening. It's happening at 6 
p.m. And let me just give you a few details if you haven't heard or if you missed them. You can bring a lawn chair, you can bring a blanket, you can bring something comfortable to sit on for you and for the people of your household if they're coming with you. We're going to have a lot of space open out on the front plaza as well as some uh, of the immediate parking areas will be wide open for you to come and sit. We're going to have plenty of space for everybody to have some distance so that we can have a good time together tonight. We're going to be having a service that will be under an hour long. We're going to have a time of worship. We're going to have a short devotional teaching from Pastor Gary, as well as a time of corporate and collective prayer. And then later on at the end of the evening, we're actually going to be available for people who are in need of specific individual prayer. We want to be able to pray with you. So come tonight. We want to encourage you to be here. Again, it's at 6 p.m. We'll have plenty of space for everybody. Bring something comfortable to sit on. I also want to say this to people who are a little hesitant about coming. You might not feel like you're quite ready to get out of the house or more specifically to get out of your car. You might be a part of our seniors community. You might feel as though you're a part of a a more vulnerable community during this season. And if that's you, but you'd like to come, we do have a great option for you. We're going to have the signal ready and available through 88.5 FM so that you can come. You can back your car in. You can join the service. Even if you don't exit your car, we'll have a live broadcast that you can tune into on your FM dial. We're excited about this night. We want to put it out there for as many people who want to come as possible. So please join us tonight at 6 p.m. right here at the Bridge Church for our outdoor service. One other thing I want to say is that we've had many people day by day who are continuing to ask us, when are we going to be meeting in person again? This past Thursday, Pastor Gary put out a message, an important announcement, giving you an update on where we're at in that process. So I would encourage you to go back and look for that. We don't have any new news to share with you at this exact moment. But one thing I can tell you is that we are already making our plans to resume in-person services very, very soon. And we're going to do the very best that we can to exhaust all of our options to do this in compliance with the guidelines that we've been given by our local and our state government. And so we're going to walk this out to the best of our ability in integrity to make that happen and we hope to have news for you very very shortly on what that's going to look like so keep praying for us and we really appreciate your patience for those of you who are kind of chomping at the bit to get started and get back to in-person gatherings we are with you we want to get back to gathering with you as well and we hope to have some news for you very very shortly all right let's get into God's word this morning if you have a bible would you meet me in acts chapter 3 acts chapter 3 Over these last few weeks, we've been in a series called Extraordinary, and we've been talking about what is it that God is asking of us? What is it that he's requiring of us during this unusual season? All of us are walking through difficult times, and for some people, uncertain times, uncomfortable times, to say the least. But during uncomfortable and uncertain times, God is calling his people not just to be ordinary, but to be extraordinary. Not just to be another face in the crowd, but to be someone who stands out from everybody else. And that's what we're going to continue in talking about today. And today I want to bring you specifically a message called an extraordinary encounter. An extraordinary encounter. Let's read from Acts 3 starting in verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his his mother's womb, in other words, he had been lame his entire life, was carried there, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms or request alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John, this lame man saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked them for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who had sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know, today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday traditionally was celebrated 50 days after the second day 
of Passover in an Old Testament sense. But in a New Testament Christian sense, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday as the day where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurred after seven weeks or, you know, about 50 days after Passover or Easter time. And when we look back at this time, what we recognize is that Pentecost was the day that after Jesus had ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit descended onto earth and he fulfilled the promise of Jesus by coming and giving us power to be Jesus witnesses to the ends of the earth that we are still living in today. And today as we look back and we commemorate Pentecost, this is Pentecost Sunday again, I want to just take a moment and I want to talk to all of the believers who are watching with us right now and those of you who are commemorating Pentecost today that you believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, you believe in the gifts of the Spirit, you believe that they are still for Today, we here at the Bridge Church, we believe in them, we still believe in them, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active and powerful still here today, right now. I want to just take a moment to encourage you with simply saying this. You know, for a lot of us who have a strong church background, what we tend to do is we tend to look back at the day that we had an experience with God, at the first time that we ever encountered the Holy Spirit, at the first time that we ever encountered the power of God. And I know that when we look back at Pentecost, we can look back and say, wow, remember when God did that? Remember when God did this amazing thing? Remember when God poured himself out in an unusual, in an authentic way? It's so easy for us to look back historically at the good old days and limit God to what he did then. But I just want to take a moment and I want to encourage every single believer not to look back in your walk with God, but to look ahead and recognize that the Holy Spirit is still alive. He's still active. He's still powerful. And he still wants to do things in us and for us and through us today. God still has a purpose and a plan for our life and he will accomplish it through the power of his Holy Spirit being at work in our lives still today. So don't just look back at what God did then. Look ahead knowing that God still has good things for our lives today and in tomorrow because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, with all of that said, we're not going to focus on Pentecost today, but the thing that I really want to focus on is that Pentecost was a springboard that launched the church. It launched the New Testament ministry of the apostles who were previously known as the disciples or the followers of Jesus. And what we see all throughout Scripture is that The Holy Spirit enabled these apostles to do the things that Jesus said they would do once he left. And so Pentecost was not the culmination or the ending of the ministry of Jesus on earth. In fact, Pentecost was the beginning or the springboard or the launching pad of the work of the Holy Spirit to continue the ministry of Jesus on earth through the followers of Jesus. That's us still here today. And one of the things that we see at the time, or excuse me, after Pentecost in the early, book, the early chapters of the book of Acts was that there were some prominent leaders that began to step up and take their place in ministry in the early church. And perhaps the most prominent there in the very beginning was the apostle or the disciple Peter. Peter was such an interesting guy. Peter was a guy who was so sure of himself, often so quick to put his foot in his mouth. And when he walked in the presence of Jesus, he felt like he was on top of the world. And when we see here in Acts chapter 3 from the story that we just read, Peter was used mightily by God to accomplish great things on this earth. And God had a great ministry purpose and calling for Peter's life. But what's so amazing is that before we even get to see Peter's ministry unfolding in the early chapters of the book of Acts, we have to remember that just a few short days earlier, Peter felt as though he was an absolute failure. Peter was at a place in his life where he might have even been considering giving up on his faith. And let's just talk for a moment about Peter, because here we see this picture of Peter stepping out boldly, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to do these amazing works in the name of Jesus. But at the time that Jesus was going to trial, and at the time that Jesus was being crucified, before he was raised from the dead, you know, Peter told Jesus, said, Jesus, I'll never walk away from you. I'll never leave your side. I'll never abandon you. You've been so good to me. I believe you're my Lord. You're the Messiah. You're my Savior. I'm never going to leave your side. When things get tough, I'll be right here with you, Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, oh yeah? Well, guess what? Before the rooster crows, you will deny that you even know me three times. And of course, we know how the scripture unfolds. Peter's confronted by people as Jesus is being put on trial and eventually crucified. And they say, we know who you are. We know that you're a follower of that man. We know that you're a follower of Jesus. And Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. And at the third time, according to the way scripture records it, he hears the crowing of the rooster, which goes off like an alarm in his mind. And he remembers those words of Jesus. You'll deny me three times that you even know me. 
And Peter feels like a complete failure. And he walks away. And I wonder if Peter even considered giving up on his faith. What's interesting is that during the, cru- the crucifixion narrative, when Jesus goes to the cross, Peter is not mentioned anywhere in the story in any of the gospel accounts. He's not mentioned when the other disciples are mentioned as standing there near the cross as Jesus is crucified. He's not mentioned as standing with the women who saw Jesus die. Instead, Peter's nowhere to be found. Peter must have been down in the dumps feeling as though he was lost, feeling as though his faith had come to an end and everything that he thought he was living for was over. But we know that at Jesus' resurrection, when those women come to the tomb and they have this angelic encounter, the angel looks at the women and he says, and go tell his disciples that he is alive. Oh yeah, and guess what? Go tell Peter too. And I love that thought because Jesus specifically calls out, get this message to Peter to make sure that he knows he might be feeling lost right now, but I still got a plan for his life and we're going to be reunited real soon. I want to tell you something today. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what the baggage is that you see when you look in the rearview mirror. What God has in front of you is so much greater than anything that's behind you. So stop looking in the rearview mirror at what's behind and look ahead at the good things that God still has for you today and tomorrow. God still has good plans for your life. You might have felt like a failure in the past, but God's got good things for your future. And I'm the only one in the room right now, so I'll go ahead and say, amen. You can go ahead and say it right there in your home as well, wherever you're joining us from right now. But Peter launches into this ministry all because of what happened at Pentecost. He's seen the resurrection of Jesus, which has given him new life and new hope. He's been endued with power because of the baptism or the arrival of the Holy Spirit in his life. And now he is walking in boldness. And we see in Acts 3 that Peter and John go to the temple to perform really what was a religious duty. They're going to pray. This is something that has become their custom. And from the story that we just read, they arrive at the temple, and the only thing that they have come to do is to pray, to spend time in prayer and talking to God. But as they get there, the scripture tells us in Acts 3 that they encounter a lame man. Now, what's interesting about this is that this lame man is someone who's kind of become a part of the landscape. He's someone who comes there all the time to this place that's called the Gate Beautiful there at the temple. And people know that he's lame, that he's been lame since birth, that he cannot help himself. So people help him. They carry him. They bring him to the gate. And he begs for alms. He he begs for charitable donations from the people that are coming to the temple. And he's expecting to receive some sort of help from the people who are coming. But today he encounters somebody different. He encounters Peter and John. He encounters two people who are now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses of Jesus on this earth. And as they come to the temple to pray, this man looks up and sees Peter and John coming. And Peter and John see the lame man sitting there. And as they walk up and get close to each other, the scripture tells us that the lame man looks at them expecting to receive something from them. It's important that we notice that. He's expecting to receive something from them. Let's look at it one more time in verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Now there's something very important that I want to stop and focus on here for just a moment. It says that he was expecting to receive something from them. Let's just stop and ask a very big, broad question right now about our own lives. I'm going to ask this of you, and I've been asking this question in my own heart and in my own life over the last few days. What am I expecting to receive from God? In my life, right now, what am I expecting to receive from God? The reason I ask that question and the reason why I think it's so important is because so often we will receive what we are expecting from God and we will not receive what we are not expecting from God. And here's why I say this. Because as Peter and John approached the temple, this lame man who was there begging for alms and charitable donations, he was accustomed to receiving a certain kind of help. And when he encountered Peter and John, he thought that that same kind of help was the thing that he would again be receiving. But what if what he was asking for was lesser than what they wanted to give him? Let me put it to you this way. What if he was expecting something from them that they were not expecting to give him? What if what he was expecting from them was lesser than what they were expecting to give to him? 
Is it possible in our lives right now and in our walk with God that we are expecting something less from God than what he is expecting to give to us? Or are we expecting something less from him than what he is offering to us? I have to be honest with you. I think many of us will walk through life and the reason why we will not get the things from God that he wants to give to us is because we are not asking for and expecting to receive the things that he has made available to us. Because oftentimes, we have to look to God and we have to ask Him to give us those things, not just to expect that they fall out of the sky and hope that they come into our life. No, we have to ask for them, we have to believe for them, and we have to receive those things. Now, it says in verse 5 that the lame man expected these things. But what was different about what he was expecting and what Peter and John wanted to give him was that he was expecting to receive help. But Peter and John were hoping to bring him healing. Now let's take those two things, put them side by side for just a moment, and talk about the difference. Everybody needs help from time to time. This lame man needed help when it came to receiving alms or charitable donations or food. Silver and gold would have been helpful. The only problem was, a few hours later, he's going to be hungry again and unable to help himself. So when they arrive, he thinks they're going to bring help to him, but they don't want to just bring him help. They want to bring him healing. If you look at the challenges that you are dealing with in your life right now, and two options were set before you, help and healing, which option would you choose? Because at the end of the day, I have to be honest and tell you that help is good, but healing is better. Because I might find help today to get me through today, but I'm going to need more help tomorrow. But if I can find healing today, that means that I won't need the same kind of help tomorrow. And here Peter and John come ready to offer healing, and all this man is asking for is help. What a picture of our Christianity that can be sometimes. God is offering us more than we're asking for. God is offering us more than we're believing for. God is willing to give us more than maybe we are ready to receive. And I want to take just a moment and talk about this. Is it possible that God is extending healing, but we are only asking for help? Is it possible that God is extending a long-term cure, but we are only asking for short-term comfort? What if God wants to give us something so much greater than what we are asking for? I believe that God has healing in his hand. I believe that God has provision in his hand. And I believe that God wants to walk with us all the days of our life. But we have to be willing to reach out and ask him for the things that we need. Now, let's just talk for a moment about a few practical things in the world in which we live and how we can kind of break this down in our lives. We are living in a day and age where the world around us is having big, broad, open conversations about some very real issues and some very real problems. And I'm going to name a few things real quick, and this is going to come out like a very strong word, but let me just ask you if you'll just listen to this sensitively, because I'm sensitive to the fact that there are real people dealing with these real challenges in their everyday life. You might be listening right now, watching at home, and you're dealing with one of these things. In this world in which we live, we are having many big, broad, open conversations in the outside world about topics like mental health, anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, sometimes even suicidal tendencies. And we talk about those things out in the open in the secular world. And what we often do is we approach those, play, those things from a psychological perspective where we say, this is, my, this is my infirmity. This is the thing that I'm dealing with. Somebody help me find comfort. Somebody help me find help in this thing that I'm dealing with. And in the outside world, we don't approach it from a spiritual perspective. We approach it from a psychological perspective. So what we do is we say, this is my infirmity, which becomes my identity. I live in this world. It's uncomfortable. It hurts. Will somebody please bring some peace and bring some comfort and bring some help into my situation? That's the way that the outside world tends to deal with these topics. But now, even in the church world to date, these topics have made their way inside the walls of the church. And sadly, often what we do is we approach it from a same psychological perspective. We look at it and we say, this is my infirmity. I accept this identity. Will somebody please bring me some help and bring me some comfort in the midst of what I'm dealing with? But what if the help we are asking for is so much less than the healing that God wants to bring us? 
I want to tell you something today. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, if you claim the name of Jesus, if you have been bought by the blood of the Lamb, God doesn't want to leave you there in the condition, in the state in which he finds you. He wants to raise you up and walk you down a a victorious path, a conquering, overcoming path, where you no longer are needing the same kind of help you used to, but he walks you into the healing power that he makes available to you. That's what God is calling us to. And I know I've named a few specific issues right there, and those are real things. And to deny that people are dealing with those will be absolutely ignorant. But the question I would ask you today is, did God find you where you are to leave you there? Did God find you where you are to leave you there so that you can merely ask for help when he wants to provide healing? Because there's a few questions I find myself asking. Do we still believe that God heals? Do we still believe that we are more than conquerors? Do we still believe that there is overcoming power in the name of Jesus? Do we still believe that there is victory in Jesus? Do we still believe that if we are bought by the blood of the Lamb, then God has made all of these healings available to us as well in all of these other areas of our life? Because if he has, we need to stop settling for help and we need to reach further for God's healing. Help is good, but healing is better. If I have help right now, it'll get me through today, but I'm going to need more tomorrow. If I can find healing today, then God can walk me into a better future tomorrow where I no longer need the same kind of help I needed yesterday. I want to tell you something, friend. God has made healing available to you in every area of your life. Don't just settle for daily help. Reach out for eternal healing in this life and into the life that is to come. God has more. There is more. Don't give up. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for a second-class Christianity. Strive. Reach for everything that God has. God has more for your life. And I simply, before we move on, I want to share this one parting thought with you from this portion of the, of the message today. Help is good, but healing is better. Don't settle for a lesser version of God's best for your life. Don't settle for help help when God is offering healing. Now, let's move forward because in a few moments we're going to talk about how it is that we access that healing, how it is that we access that miracle. Because I know as soon as we talk about healing being available, that's the one thing everybody wants to know. Okay, it's available. How do I access it? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But let's take a moment and look at one other thing. Because there's kind of a two-way street that's happening here with this encounter with Peter and John and the lame man at the gate beautiful. And I want to take a moment in the second part of the message, and I just want to talk about the boldness of Peter and John, but more specifically the boldness of Peter. You know, this scene that we see here is a very ordinary day where something extraordinary happens. Peter and John, they're going about kind of a customary routine where they go to the temple to pray at the ninth hour. And as they walk up, they have this encounter with the lame man. Now, here's what I want you to see. If this encounter and if this scene were to play out today in the streets that surround our home and our community, if it happened in our neighborhood out there for everyone to see, if this encounter happened out at the mall right outside of maybe in the middle of the mall or outside of the doors as you were walking in, you would see someone who is sick from this infirmity, who's been dealing with this infirmity all of their life, and someone who has faith to bring them help and hope and healing for their situation. But can you imagine the onlookers and the bystanders that were gathered there that day as they stood there and they watched Peter and John encounter this man? I have to be really honest with you for a moment and tell you that as a Christian and as a guy who grew up in church and as somebody who is kind of, you know, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe that healing is for today. And throughout my life growing up really in a charismatic background, we we believe in the power of prayer. We will pray for healing. We've seen healing services and healing ministries Sometimes there have been things that we have seen in our church background where we have looked at the packaging of the present and we've had a difficult time accepting it because the packaging was a little bit awkward or it was a little bit uncomfortable or it was a little bit unusual. And all throughout scripture, the ministry of Jesus sometimes looked unusual. And even for those who might have been standing around, it would have felt a little bit awkward or a little bit uncomfortable. And I think one of the tendencies that many of us as Christians have when it comes to these kind of you know, different experiences and encounters that we have with people, especially as seen from Scripture, is we can become afraid to be bold like Peter and John and lay hands on the sick because we're afraid of what people around might think. I'll be honest with you. I've been in church my whole life, and there's things that I've seen in church that were unusual and even more frank. They were just flat-out uncomfortable, sometimes awkward. 
But here's the thing about it. If we are uncomfortable with the packaging, sometimes we'll often throw out the present that God is wanting to give us. And just because the packaging looks a little strange doesn't mean that the the present inside is invalid. God still has things that he wants to do in our life, and it might be awkward, it might be unusual, and sometimes it might be uncomfortable, but don't give up on that thing that God wants to do. Now, what's interesting about this encounter to me is that Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, he's been endued with power to be a witness of Jesus. He arrives on the scene here. And the thing you have to understand is that since the time that Jesus has gone into heaven, there is yet to be a recorded miraculous divine healing take place in Scripture. This is the first one after Jesus has ascended into heaven. They're no longer walking in the, with the physical presence of Jesus with them. They're now walking in the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given to them and resting upon them. And when they encounter this lame man at the temple, they walk up to him and they have such boldness to speak a message of hope over his life. And one thing is so interesting about this is that Scripture gives us no record of Peter and John ever stopping and saying, what are people going to think when we do this? It gives us no record of them coming up with a backup plan and saying, well, what if it doesn't work? What if we pray for this man? What if we lay hands on this man? What if we ask him to get up and walk? What if it doesn't work? What's our backup plan going to be? What's our biblical or what's our theological you know, story going to be here for why this didn't take place and why this didn't happen? There's nothing like that recorded in Scripture. All we see is the boldness of Peter and John to walk up and bring a message of healing to this man. And here's why this stands out to me. Because for a lot of us, we are uncomfortable with something that makes us uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable with things that come in strange-looking packages. You know, here in our church, when we have our Sunday gatherings, I know it's been a few weeks, but we have prayer teams that are here at the end of our services. And besides the people on our prayer teams, we have people in our church that believe in the power of prayer. They believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when someone comes up to them and says, I'm dealing with this physical issue, immediately they have the faith and the boldness to lay hands on people and believe that God is going to heal them and deliver them from that infirmity. And what's interesting is, is there have been Sundays here at the bridge in this room Where after a service, I've walked outside and I'll say hi to people and talk to people. And just, you know, you have this social time where you're just catching up and connecting with people, trying to meet new people. And when that time comes to an end, you come back here in the room and you'll see prayer teams down here at the front. And someone has walked forward and they have an infirmity. And I'll see one of the members of that prayer team kneeling down on the ground, laying a hand on somebody's leg, believing that God is going to heal them right there in that moment. Can I be honest with you? That's a little unusual. That's a little bit different. In the day and age in which we live, for those of us who have been exposed to some uncomfortable or unusual things in church, it's very easy for us to criticize that. It's easy for us to become cynical and criticize that and say, well, that's weird, that's unusual. And because we don't like the packaging, we toss out the presents. But can I tell you something? The opinions of people are not recorded in the scripture. What's recorded is the boldness of Peter and John and the faith to believe of the man who was lame. And I want to just say to you today that when you get to the end of your life, you are not going to stand before a court of public opinion to give an account of your faith. You are going to stand before God and and really give an account for what you did with Jesus, how much you believed his word, and how you applied it in your everyday life. And guess what? What people think will mean absolutely squat. It will mean nothing. It won't mean anything. So today in this life and in the calling that God has for us, we should stand up boldly and be willing to go out and do what he has empowered us to do and not care about the people around us because God hasn't called us to please people. He's called us to go and heal people, to deliver people, to do the great things that Jesus did. We will do greater things. Why? Not because of our strength, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, in us and rests upon us. That's why. And I wanted to say one other thing very quickly. You know, you might have seen some funny things in church like I have growing up over the years. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Don't criticize somebody else, somebody else for their walk of faith. I remember years ago when I was, uh, you know, really starting out in ministry, my pastor who was so influential in my life, I remember he said to me one time, he said, don't let your faith sink to the level of others' opinions. And sometimes we can do that because we take in criticism, we take in skepticism, we take in cynicism. Can I be honest with you? The worst thing for me personally to be around is cynical and skeptical Christians because it sinks your faith, it lowers your faith, it lowers your expectation of what God wants to do. Don't be critical and skeptical and cynical of other people's faith. You walk out your faith with God, but don't be critical of anybody else's. 
And if God has told you, if God has spoke to you, if he has inspired you to have faith that you can still do great things in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, forget about what everybody else thinks and go out and do it boldly. It's interesting in that passage of Scripture, it tells us very, very clearly in verses 4 and 5 that when Peter and John encountered that lame man, they looked at him and they said, look at us. And Scripture says that he looked up at them intently because he expected to receive something from them. I wonder if Peter and John got his attention and said, look at us, so that he could take his eyes off of the surrounding crowd so that he could take his eyes off of the opinions of others, so that he could take his eyes away from the criticism and the cynicism and the skepticism of those who might have been watching that day. And what we see is that he goes up, he fixes his eyes on Peter and John, and something miraculous takes place. Before we move to the very last part of this message, let me just give you really quickly a parting thought. Be bold and let God be God. If all you have to stand on is the word of God, not knowing how he's going to perform the miracle, not knowing how long it's going to take, if all you have is the word of God to stand on, that's all you need, and that is going to be enough. Be bold and let God be God. Now, let's move to the very last part of the message, and this is the part that I've been most excited to share with you. The third part, the third section of this message, the final part, I want to ask the question, that many of you might be wondering as we read through that first part, how do we activate the miracle? How do we activate the miraculous? How do we activate the divine in our lives? Let's read one more time from verse 6 of Acts 3. It says, Then Peter looked at this lame man, and he said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. Now stop right there for just a moment, because I want to give you something to think about. Imagine that lame man. Again, it says that he expected to receive something from Peter and John. Imagine that lame man sitting there expecting to receive something. And Peter, and Peter looks at him and says, we don't have silver and gold. I can't give you any of that. But what I do have, I give to you. Imagine the lame man saying, okay, what are you going to give me? What you got? Any day now. Where's it at? When's it coming? Imagine the lame man sitting there thinking, well, what is it that you're going to give me? But then, of course, Peter goes on, and what does he say? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Here's what's so interesting, is that he's expecting to receive something to be put in his hands. But rather than Peter giving him something, Peter gives him something to do. He tells him to do something. And I find this so interesting because I wonder if there was any part of the lame man, I wonder if there was anything, any thoughts that were going through his mind as he sat there that day expecting to receive something in his hands from Peter and John when he said, I don't have silver and gold. I wonder if there was anything inside of him that said, oh, no, 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 if you can't give me silver and gold, then I don't want whatever it is that you have. I want the same kind of help I always receive. I want the same kind of help I'm accustomed to getting. I want the same kind of help that's going to get me through today so that I can do this all over again tomorrow. I wonder if there was anything inside of him that wanted to settle for what he had always known. I wonder. Because he stands there and Peter doesn't put anything in his hand. Instead, he gives him something to do. Now, before we talk about activating the miracle, I want to show this to you because it's amazing how you can read scripture and always see things that you never saw before. This is what it says in the scripture. It looks at, Peter looks at him and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Notice Peter does not look at him and say, be healed. Notice that Peter does not look at him and say, you are now healed. Peter doesn't wave a magic wand. There's not smoke and doves don't appear and fly all over the place. It's not like this magical illusion where something amazing takes place right before everybody's eyes. Where Peter puts something in his hand or something, you know, just out of the thin air happens. It's not that kind of thing. Peter doesn't say, be healed. He says, in the name of Jesus... Get up and walk. Instead, Peter tells him to do something. And what's crazy about it is the thing that Peter tells him to do is the one thing that he can't do. Now, I want you to stop and just think about your own life again for one more moment. A lot of us are battling issues, challenges, difficulties, infirmities in our life that have gone from not just being infirmities, but now really kind of defining our life. They're what we're known by. We know ourselves by our infirmities sometimes. We define our entire existence like it's this banner that hangs over our life. 
Sometimes that's the way that we live out our life, even as Christians sometimes. And what's crazy about this is that this man could have been expecting, well, if you're going to do something for me, then just do it. But instead, Peter gives him something to do. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. But I don't know how to walk. Look at my legs. Look at my ankles. Look at my feet. It's not like I forgot how to walk. It's not like there was an accident that happened and I'll be able to retrain my I've never known how to walk. I've never known how to do this. I've never had the ability to do this. I don't know how to do this. Look at me. I'm not built for this. My feet, my legs, my ankles, they're not formed and fashioned with strength to do that. I don't know how to do that. Not only do I not know how to do that, but I'm afraid, I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I try to do that. What if I try to get up and what if I fall and what if something breaks and things are worse after me trying to do that? I'm afraid of what might happen. I'm afraid of the consequences. I'm afraid to stand up and step up and do this thing that you're challenging me to do. All of those thoughts could have been running through the lame man's mind, but instead, none of that is recorded in Scripture. Scripture tells us that Peter reaches down and grabs him to help him up. And the lame man, as he's getting up, as Peter helps him to his feet, it says that the bones are given strength in his ankles and his legs and his feet. And suddenly that man can walk. i got to be honest with you. When I think about that, I've thought about these, these thoughts about the lame man for the last few days and the encounter that he must have had. I wonder how much fear might have gone through his mind in that very moment when Peter told him to stand up and walk. I don't know how to walk. I'm afraid to walk. I can't do that. What happens if? What happens if? What happens if? And we can go to worst case scenarios. If I try to do this thing that I'm afraid to do, what happens if I fail? What happens if I don't have enough? What happens, God, if you're not there? What happens if that promise that you've made doesn't come to pass as fast as I was hoping it would? What if? As I was reading through this passage of Scripture last week, I've been preparing this message for a while. I felt so strongly like God just reached down and he pointed out a couple areas of my life. And it was as if God looked down and he said, Zach, are you ready to deal with these things? Because you keep asking for help, but I want to give you more than help. I want to give you healing so that tomorrow you're not asking for the same kind of help. And I sat there and I thought about these couple different areas of my life. And the one thought that kept going through my head is I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and say I was afraid to face those giants. I don't want to get to the end of my life and say I was afraid to stand up and fight. I don't want to get to the end of my life and let fear have the victory and I didn't step into everything that God had for my life. There are some of you watching at home right now, you are dealing with giants. You are dealing with infirmities that you have settled with. They're not just infirmities, they've become your identity. And daily, daily, on a daily basis, you are asking for help when God is offering healing. And if we continue on this path, we'll get to the end of our life, we'll look back and say, we never stepped into everything that God had for us. We simply settled for a lesser form and a second class Christianity. I don't want to get to that place in my life. I don't want to get to that place. I asked you the question earlier, do we still believe that God heals? Do we still believe that we are more than conquerors, that we are victorious because of what Jesus did for us on the cross? Do we still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Then how come we don't always see these things activated in our life? It's amazing how Peter looked at this man and said, in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. The lame man might have been thinking, I can't walk. I don't know how to walk. I'm afraid to walk. I'm afraid of what might happen. But what Peter was saying to him was don't get up and try to walk in your strength. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Right now as you're thinking about that challenge, that sickness, that infirmity, that fear, It always comes back to fear. You might be thinking about what that thing is, that issue, that challenge that you're dealing with in your life. You might be saying, how is it that I'm going to get past this because I don't feel like I can do it? That's right, you can't in your own strength. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. 
You might be worried about tomorrow. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. You might be worried about your finances. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. You might be worried about your business. You might be worried about your family. You might be worried about your mental health. You might be worried about this thing that you've been battling that doesn't seem to go away, that you can't conquer in your own strength. Guess what? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Get up and walk. Scripture tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. That's how we get our salvation. And of course, we believe from Isaiah 53 that our healing, God purchased, Jesus purchased our healing at the atonement at the cross. So if that's all a part of our atonement and we access salvation extended by grace, received by faith, then guess how your healing is also accepted? It's extended by grace, received by faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. I believe that today God's speaking to some people right now. I believe God wants to challenge some people to play the movie of your life out. At what point do we move away from fear? At what point do we stand up and believe that we are more than conquerors? At what point do we claim the victory and the promises of Jesus and say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to get to the end of my life wishing that I had done it differently. It's time for us to stand up and walk in the victory that Jesus has given us. I want to pray for you today. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to us. God, I would pray for every single person, every one of us who is battling fear. God, that's something that we've been talking about over these last few weeks and everything that our world is dealing with right now. But besides that, just even in our own personal life and our thought life and our mental life and our physical life and every single area of our life relationally, God, if we are battling fear, if we are scared to get up and fight, I pray in Jesus' name that you would show us that you're not calling us to fight in our strength. You're not calling us to walk in our strength. You're calling us to walk and to fight and to stand in yours. That we would respond to that. And as we take our first step of faith, that we would find your miraculous, divine healing power at work at steps two, three, and four throughout the rest of our life. I pray that those of us who have been relying on you for help from day to day would look out and realize that you are offering us more than just help to get us through today. You're offering us healing that will solve our problems today and tomorrow. That we would reach out in faith, overcome fear, and receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. You might be watching right now at home. When we talk about overcoming fear, when we talk about living a victorious life, when you talk about seeing God's supernatural power at work in your life, you might say, Zach, I have absolutely no idea how any of that works because I've never made a decision to walk with God. I've never accepted him into my life. I want to lead you in a prayer in just a moment, but I want to simply say this. Scripture makes it very clear that we are separated from God because of our sin. We're not worthy. We're not able to, to, to mend that gap, to fix that, to bridge that gap of our life. But God knew that and he loved you and me so much that he sent Jesus to this earth to live a sinless, spotless life, to go to the cross, to die a death that we deserve for our sin so that we could come back into a relationship with God. Maybe today the Holy Spirit's knocking on the door of your heart and you say, I know that I need to come back into a relationship with God. I want to pray a prayer with you right now just to simply invite him in. And as we do that together, you'll experience this thing that we call salvation. It's not a one-time occurrence. It's something that God is doing, a continual work in our life where we choose to walk with him, not just to make him our savior, but to allow him to become the Lord of our life. If you want to make that decision today, if you want to start that journey today, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Say these words with me. Dear Jesus, I receive you into my life and I thank you that you went to the cross for me. I believe you died for my sin. I believe you were raised back to life. I believe that you conquered death for me so that I would not have to face it eternally. I thank you for that sacrifice. I thank you for your goodness. I receive your grace. And I want to live my life in victory from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you made that decision to follow Jesus for the first time, or maybe you rededicated your life today, I just want to let you know, truly, that is the best decision that you can make to start a walk in a relationship with God. But we don't want you to do it alone. We have a simple gift that we want to give you. We want to put something in your hand or really before your eyes to help you start this journey of faith. 
you made a decision to follow Jesus, there's some instructions right there on your screen that you can follow to get this free gift. It's a booklet called The Next Seven Days. If you're watching on Facebook right now, you can DM us with the words Next Seven. We'll be happy to connect with you to get your contact info and put this in front of you so that you can begin your walk with God. We can't wait till we can gather with you and help you walk in this relationship with Jesus as well. We're so glad you made that decision and we're so glad that you are walking with God. There's also instructions there on your screen that you can click if you'd like to fill out a connect card to get more connected here at the church, whatever platform you're watching from. We would love to connect with you. We're so glad that you joined us today. Thank you so much. Congratulations on making that amazing decision to follow Jesus. Well, before we go, there's one last thing that we want to do, and we're just going to honor God with our giving. We're going to take a moment and just talk about our tithes and our offerings and how it is that we honor God with our finances and putting him first. First thing I want to say is thank you so much, Bridge Church family, for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you for your generosity in the way that you have so generously sown into the kingdom of God. You know, as a church, we just showed you some stats a little bit ago in church news talking about how many families and individuals are receiving from community care during this season on a weekly basis. We are so, so grateful for that. I say this all the time. We know that that only happens because of a faithful God and faithful people who are responding and choosing to put God first. So thank you so much for your generosity. There's a few different ways that you can give that are on the screen right now. We would love for you to give however is most convenient for you. And I just really want to share one quick story with you. Just recently, my wife and I and my family, we were sitting around the dinner table and we were about to eat dinner and we had pulled our kids in to eat and we were about to pray right before we ate and just thank God for our food, ask him to bless it to our bodies. And you know how kids can be, sometimes they don't want to pray before dinner. We gathered up our kids and my oldest daughter, she just said, ugh, Why do we always have to pray before dinner? She wanted to eat. She was ready to get this thing moving. And my wife and I just looked at her, and with big tears in our eyes, we thought about this season that we're walking through right now. And we said, baby, we will always thank Jesus for what we have because we recognize that we don't have anything if not for his goodness and for his provision in our life. We recognize that for so many people, this has been a difficult season. And so I just want to say on behalf of our team, on behalf of everybody that receives from community care, thank you. Thank you so much for your generosity. We do not take it for granted what you have done, the way that you have responded as a church family to put God first and to see the ministry of the Bridge Church go forward to build the kingdom of God here in the Temecula Valley and around the world. So thank you so, so much for your faithfulness. You are incredibly generous, and we are grateful for you. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for Church Online this morning. It's been a privilege, but guess what? We get to gather tonight, 6 p.m., outdoor service here at the church. Bring something comfortable to sit in. If you don't want to leave your car, we will have FM transmitter available, 88.5 on your FM dial. We can't wait to connect with you tonight. God bless you. Have an awesome Sunday, and we'll see you tonight. Thanks again for joining us today for Church Online at the Bridge. If you made a decision to follow Christ for the first time or you decided to rededicate your life, we want to help you begin your journey of faith. We have a free gift we want to give you called The Next 7 Days. It's a simple tool that will help you take your next steps. If you'd like to get this gift, just direct message us on Facebook or Instagram with the words Next 7. You can also click on the link right there in the platform you are using. We will be happy to connect with you and get you this gift. Just go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. We are so glad you made this life-changing decision. We love you. We are praying for you. And we are believing God's the best in your life right now. We will see you soon.